What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Coach's Corner Podcast. My name is Jordan Ross, and I am your host as well as a high-performance life coach. Each week on the podcast, I'll be bringing you an inspiring message, lesson, or teacher to help align you to a more purposeful existence. The purpose of this podcast is to help the millennial audience realign themselves with a life where they can wake up happy, joyful, excited, and throttled, and ready for the day to come and the new levels of success they have yet to achieve. I know you're excited. So am I. Now lock in and let's get this session started. What's going on, everybody? We got Tyler Pizik. Did I pronounce that right? Pizik. Pizik. Got Taylor Pizik. Pizik Performance Group. And you guys are in for a treat because Tyler is, he's a special person. He's got a great mind for business acumen, perform, high performance, a really cool story. Tyler and I were just talking before we clicked record as well. He just moved into Denver and we're, up, we're not too far away from each other. So maybe next time this comes, it'll come from a live showing. But Tyler, really excited to have you on the, the call today. And for everyone who doesn't know who you are, what's your, what's your story so they can get to understand who they're listening to? My story, where do you want me to start? Do you want me to start from like... What's the high level story? this standpoint, the high level story. Okay, so I... Man, that's so tough. Where do I start? From a coaching standpoint, I'll start from the coaching standpoint because I feel like that's what I am as a coach. And so I, when I was like nine years old, I was playing Little League Baseball and I got pulled off the field for I had no idea why. And I was so mad at my coach and I sat on the other end of the bench and I was crying. And like an inning later, he comes over and he's like, Tyler, pulled you from the game because you can't be coaching up the other kids while you're <laughs> on the field. So I was literally, I was playing second base as a lefty and I was over in the shortstop position showing our shortstop how to field a baseball like mid game. And so that's why he pulled me. So that's when my coaching experience started. And then I started coaching baseball when I was 19 years old. I was a coach of a 15 year old team. And then when I kept coaching every summer, and then when I was 23, I was coaching 23-year-olds for a collegiate baseball team. And then when I was 25, I got into sports psychology and really liked that side of the game, really liked the mental skills side. So I went to TCU for sports psychology. And <clears throat> now I'm on my own doing sports psychology work, coaching mental skills, mental emotional management systems, and helping helping as many student athletes as I can. So that's the high level story behind me. Awesome. And for everyone listening, you were also a D1 pitcher, if I recall correctly, right? Yeah, I pitched at Indiana State for three years. And then I got hurt, which actually led me into the sports psychology realm. My dad handed me this book called The Mental Game of Pitching by Harvey Dorfman. And I read about 50 pages of it. And I have no idea where that book is today because I did not think it was that good. But when I got back to school, my friend handed me Mind Gym. Have you read that book before? No. Mind Gym, Mind Gym is a good one. I mean, it was my first like sports psychology book that really got me into the mental skills side of sport and front to back in like a day or two. And then 
that's what took me in this direction, I would say. So yeah, Indiana State was good. It taught me a lot of lessons. I would say getting hurt and then I tore my labrum in my left shoulder and then I went through 15 months of rehab and then I tore it again. And that's when I decided to hang them up and just become an undergraduate assistant coach instead of uh, continue playing, awesome. which, so, is fine, which is fine by me. There you go, man. So within your own business, so you're the second performance coach I've spoken to on the podcast, Matt Farber, obviously a mutual friend of us too. Uh, he came on and he's starting to ramp up with some really cool stuff we were talking yesterday. But what is, what's your elevator pitch? What, who is the type of person that's coming to you? What is their problem? And what tools do you give them to bring them to the new level of performance? Mm -hmm. I help student athletes and coaches perform their best when it means the most. And I teach the big three is what I call them, confidence, culture, and leadership. And it normally starts with culture and then leads into leadership and confidence. But if I'm going into work with a team right away, I'll go in and most likely work on confidence because that is the biggest issue or problem that student athletes and coaches see their student athletes having. Yeah. So when you come in, you got, you got a handful of high potential people. You have student athletes that just have raw potential, but their confidence is low. What, what's that transition look like? Because with my own coaching, I say I work with millennials who are struggling with their performance, confidence, and happiness. And we work on a routine of mindsets we work on a routine of habits and we work on a routine of just overall demeanors to help them perform consistently, wake up with confidence and be consistently happy throughout their day. So there's a lot of overlap between what we do in different arenas. So what's the tools that you teach them for confidence? Well, I think it starts with, well, before, even when I go in there, before I even get going on any tools that I give them or strategies, you know, nobody's going to listen to the content if you don't get the energy right. So the first thing I do is I try to get the energy right and let them know that I'm here to help them and I'm here to have a good time. I'm not just here to stand up front and teach them theories and give them things that uh, might not help them after I leave. Whereas like a teacher, I feel like the difference between me and a, a regular teacher or a regular teacher of psychology, they would go in there and they would teach theories and then they wouldn't really be able to connect with the, with the student athletes. So that's my first job is to go in and really connect with them. And that's done via just like high energy games I play with them or, uh, I know a bunch of card tricks and magic tricks. So <laughs> I show them those things. A lot of experiential learning normally happens within the first 45 minutes or half hour and, um, or full hour. And then, uh, we get into the content. And one of the strategies that I teach is I call them mental reminders. Some people call them like self advertisements or, uh, just mental physical cues that you can set up in your life so that you, remind yourself of the mindset that you're trying to build and of the things that you're trying to do on a daily basis to help you succeed in life. So one of the things that I do is here's a good strategy for anybody listening right now. If they go, I don't know how to do this on an Android phone, but on an iPhone, which I think a lot of listeners have, and if anybody has an Android and they figure this out, please let me know. But in an iPhone, if you go to your iPhone and you open up your reminders app and you go into your reminders app and you set a reminder that says 
a mindset cue that you want to start to live by. So that might be owning the moment, take a breath. Uh, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, uh, push the rock. Is this a problem or is it a choice that I have to make? Um, things like that. So mental cues that could be confidence conditioning statements, mantras, affirmations, anchor statements, and you put it in your reminders app. And then you click the I next to it and it's a little information button. It'll pop open and it'll say, remind me at a location. You turn that on and then you set the location for either your work or your home or someplace that you go a lot where you want to start building this mindset. So say you show up to work every day and you you hate work and you're like, work sucks. I hate going to work. My boss sucks. Uh, the people I work with aren't fun, you know? That is the mindset that you're choosing. You're choosing to see the problem instead of see the good that is there. And so you click remind me at a location and maybe your mantra for the day is trust the process or maybe it's own this moment or maybe it's leave them more energized. Uh, so that way, now you're showing up there and you're getting a reminder. Okay, take a breath, respond to them. Don't be reactionary. Don't let them get under your skin. And I would say, instead of saying, don't let them get under your skin, you know, I would say something like be the bigger person, um, stay mature, use your breath, ask questions, use curiosity, something along those lines. Uh, I know that when I show up to Globe Life Park down in Texas, I used to live down in Texas when I went to TCU for sports psychology for school. And I would have a reminder that went off at Globe Life Park because I had a few different professional baseball players that would come in and uh, play against the Rangers. And a reminder would go off saying, TBT, talk about them. Every time I showed up to Globe Life Park, Globe Life Park. And that would just remind me, okay, like, don't talk about baseball with them. Don't talk about the things that they always do. Do talk about their life outside of baseball. How's their girlfriend? How's their family? Are they eating right? How's their recovery? You know, things like that. Uh, instead of talking about baseball, which, you know, they get from all their fans all the time. So awesome. I would say the, the reminder app on your phone is a huge strategy. And there's, I mean, I could keep going about mental reminders. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because our brains have this negativity bias. And this is just an evolution, evolutionary thing. Our brains have this negativity bias where we want to, everything that happens to us, the first thing our brain does is goes to worry or anxiousness or uh, starts thinking about the past. You know, it might not be necessarily severe depression, but it might be an acute depressive moment. And so that's our negativity bias taking over in our brain. And we have to rewire that and restructure that via mental reminders and setting up new neural pathways. We're by thinking about these positive events and having us remind ourselves of these, these productive thoughts, they are literally changing the neural landscape in our brain <clears throat> to take over that negativity bias. So first pretty, off, pretty interesting shit. Freaking love that. So I actually call that trigger habit you get the trigger to build the habit of whatever it is you're trying to live. And you're remind that's, fr it's freaking brilliant. I just went into my phone. I, I've been using 
my clock app on my iPhone and I have trigger habits. I just, I was going through as you're speaking, I usually have two go off. I have two go off every day. Uh, one just went off right before our chat, 3.45 PM, abundance, appreciate, breathe, which centers me on an abundant mindset, appreciate what's here, breathe out my scarcity, anxiousness, breathe in appreciation, abundance. But for everyone listening, this, this is a game changer on the location because I just centered, I just centered myself for a trigger habit for when I come back home, right? A big thing that most people, at least in our, I think most people anywhere who are really huge on growing their career, growing their business, growing themselves, don't center themselves back into home life where they check out of the office, they check into home. So I actually, I love that. I just centered a reminder to center on tech every time I come home. And that's something I do consciously, but having that additional reminder for the location, that's, that's money. That's great. Yeah. I think what you, I think what you're talking about here is a way to <clears throat> transition from one area of your life to another area of your life. And that is one of the hardest parts of being a high performer is that you're always on or you always feel like you have to be on. And one thing that I talk about with my clients and my athletes and uh, my, you know, parents that I talk to, or uh, I have a couple of law students that I work with, you know, and law school is incredibly demanding. And when they get home, they might still be a little juiced up or they might be frustrated and irritated. And they're taking that energy into their home life. So one thing I talk about is having a routine that they go through when they get home to where they can, like you said, center themselves, release that emotional, mental energy that uh, they're getting caught up with at, at work or at school. And understanding that when they walk into the house, they are walking into somebody else's life now. And uh, they should be bringing positivity, warmth, productive thoughts and actions into that world and not worry, frustration, irritation with things that that person cannot even control that they probably can't even control themselves. So there's a story that I like to tell about the worry tree. And this guy, I used to know he was a carpenter. And he came over to work on my dad's house. His name was john. And john one day, like everything went wrong at work at our house that day while he was trying to install our floorboards like his his electric saw wouldn't work and i mean it was bad everything went wrong and then of course he goes to get in his truck to go home and it wouldn't turn on so he asked me to give him a ride home and he sat there just in stony silence the entire time we were driving back to the house and when we get there we get out he grabs the stuff out of i had a truck as well and uh, he grabs his stuff out of the out of the bed of my truck and we're walking up towards his house he invited me in and he stops at this little tree next to his front door and he puts his stuff down and he starts like touching the, the branches of the tree. And it took like, I don't know, 30 seconds for him to do that. And then as soon as we opened the door, he turned into a different person. His wife was there, his two kids were there and he's just, you know, opened his arms and he was, he lit up with, with this energy that he just did not have in the car right over there. And so I go in, I say hi to the family. We hang out for a little bit. Again, totally different dude. 
afterwards we go outside and uh, before I leave, I say, I say, I'll see you later, John. And then I'm like, before I go, but what was that thing you did with that tree before we walked in? Like you were a totally different person after you touched the branches on that tree. He's like, Oh, that thing. Yeah. That's, that's my worry tree. So every time I come home from work, I take all my worries that I, and my frustrations that I had at work and I just hang them up on that tree. And then uh, I go inside and I leave them there until the next day when I have to pick them up again and go back to work. And he's like, you know, the funny thing is, though, is that when I come back out to pick up all my worries, there's not as many there that I thought I put there in the first place. And so that was his transition into dad life, into husband life from work life. And I thought that was brilliant. That is the most brilliant technique I've ever heard of. That is literally the most brilliant technique I've ever heard of for a transition. And I'm still, I'm stealing that because the amazing thing about, I'm going to take that level deeper. The amazing thing about our connection with the environment, specifically with trees or forests or whatnot, is when you purposely set the intent to connect to nature, specifically a tree, uh, there's a symbiosis between our mental and nature trees when if you go to the beach there's a big connection with emotion and sand so people that are dealing with a lot of emotional stress um, i always suggest if you live on a coast bury yourself in the sand and you'll actually just the way that the sand and through um, conduction connects to you that'll actually kind of seep out all that emotional stress when exactly what you said was mental worries right that was Holy, holy fuck. That's unbelievable. That is brilliant. I'm so glad you shared that story with me. And actually, so the way he did it too, like you're touching with your fingertips. And I don't know if you have ever looked into EFT. It's called emotional freedom techniques. Technique. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I, I, do, I used to do it a lot. Yeah. It's, it's also known as tapping and basically what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to clear your mind body system so that your brain can think clearly because what we're talking about right now is cognitive techniques or like the mental reminder is a cognitive technique but what happens if your brain is clouded with emotion and every every thought we have permeates into every cell in our body so it's like even if we think say we think of a we have a negative thought that goes into our body and we have a feeling inside of our body and then it kind of gets stuck there sometimes. So how do we get that out? That's one thing that we can do to help clear up that mind body system is through EFT or tapping. And um, that allows our brain to come back online and perform optimally so that those cognitive techniques can actually take hold, yeah. which is pretty interesting as well. How often do you tap? Because I used to, I used to teach tapping more with clients. I would say about a year ago, I was teaching it pretty prevalently. And as I've fallen out of using that technique, I haven't taught it as much. But how often do you use it? Uh, I would. I use it. I run ultra marathons, so I use it on my runs more than anything. And then I use it after runs as recovery. Uh, because I get worried about my calves or I get worried about my hips or, you know, I might have a 
shoulder issue. And before I can get into that state of pushing the rock and reminding myself of, again, the cognitive mantras and affirmations, I have to clear out that the mind-body system so that I can use those to push through. And the thing about tapping is that the greatest thing about it is that it allows you to be, the first step is being completely honest with yourself about how you're feeling. And I think, you know, you don't have to tap to be completely honest with yourself and feel better afterwards. I, I think there's a huge misunderstanding between negative emotions and how, how people react to those negative emotions. You know, they have, a, they have a negative thought and then they just stuff it down and they try to put a bunch of positive thoughts on top of it or a bunch of positive, um, uh, yeah, basically productive and positive thoughts on top of it. But really that negative, that negative emotion, that negative thought is still there at the bottom. And now you're building on top of shaky ground. It's like building on sand instead of building on bedrock. So I use tapping as kind of a secondary activity to self-honest evaluation of how I'm feeling. You know, if like, say, say my brother pisses me off or something and I get frustrated with him and I usually say, okay, like if I'm being honest with myself, that those are like the key words. If I'm being honest with myself, I'm really pissed off at my brother right now. And I'm frustrated that he won't do what I'm asking him to do or something like that. And then tapping comes second. And then it comes back to like self-acceptance. Like, you know, even though I'm frustrated with my brother, I still fully accept myself. Uh, even though I was frustrated with my brother in that moment, I think that's a key distinction as well. In that moment, like I still accept myself and my body for like who I am. Yeah. So self-acceptance is the third part. But tapping is a way to just kind of clear out the body so that you can get back to like cognitively thinking clearly. <clears throat> yeah. And if you're oh, listening, I, oh, sorry, Conti continue. I didn't mean to cut you off on that. Uh, I was just going to say long-winded answer. I use it on my runs a lot, but like if I'm in a, uh, like an emotional place, you know, then that's, I use it as well for that. Yeah. What I was going to say is if you're listening to this and you're, you're thinking, holy crap, tapping sounds really cool. It sounds like I could use that in my life. You could YouTube uh, EFT tapping or just tapping. And I think it took me 10 minutes while taking notes to learn. And I referenced it probably two or three times before I was able to memorize the technique. It's, it's great. I use it, I use it when I'm feeling scarce or anxious. And if you feel for me personally, my anxiety, it usually manifests in a way between my stomach and my throat. If you're someone that has Mat physical manifestations of anxiety or worries this is a great technique to clear it uh something i've used and clearly you have too ty thank you for sharing that so you mentioned three three parts you said one of the things you do with players is confidence and you have uh what i call trigger habits you talked about leadership and leadership is something that we all do we are either you're either a great leader or you're a really ineffective leader. Uh, we all lead our lives, whether it's intentional or not. How does one teach leadership in a professional sports setting? Hmm. 
and there are so many different avenues to teach leadership, but I would say that it starts with understanding who you are as a person and what values, what do you value in your own life? And so usually I ask people to look at themselves and um, talk about what they, what they value. If they had to pick like one to three words that, that they could live by as values, what would they, what would that be? And um, so I think that's where leadership starts, but also understanding that everybody is a leader, like a leader to me, the definition of a leader is when anybody counts on you for anything. So the third string you know, the backup of the backup quarterback, the wide, he's still a leader because the wide receivers are expecting him to give his best effort out there. And so they can get better, you know, without him, the wide receivers aren't getting better. And when they get into the game and they're with the first, the first string guy, the starter, they're not going to be playing at their best. So that third string quarterback, it is completely on him to help the team get better in that aspect. And like they're counting on him and therefore he's a leader, even though he might not feel like a leader. So I think that's a big distinction first is defining what a leader is. And a leader is somebody who has somebody else counting on them for anything. Uh, But leadership, man, like I would say values and knowing who you are, who you are made up of. And that's a really hard thing to, to do. I know that like three years ago, if you were to ask me that or four years ago, I would definitely struggle with an answer to tell you like who I am as a person, because we just don't often get asked that question. And I'm talking to an athlete right now. I'm like, Hey man, what's your purpose in life? What's your mission in life. And a mission is something that doesn't have an ending. I don't know if you talked about this with Farber, but uh, we talk about the MVP process. Did he talk about that? So you guys don't need to hear it again, I guess. Go go listen to Farber talk about it. Well, we didn't talk Farber. about it on the, on the podcast. We talked about, we talked about this just offline. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the, the MVP process is, is leadership in a nutshell. Like you need to know your mission. Your mission is like, what you want people to tell about you when you die, basically. And that's a, that's a really deep question to ask some people. And it takes a lot of maturity to answer that. But like when you die, what do you want your friends and family to say about you at your funeral? And if, if they, if you only have two people showing up because you're an asshole, you know, that's something to look at. What do you value? If you're an asshole, you probably don't value anything, but as soon as you pick a value to live by, like as soon as you pick respect or you pick integrity or grit or energy or emboldening others, you know, then you can start making steps in being a leader and being a, <laughs> like a productive citizen of the world. Um, so, but it's MVP would be mission, figuring out like your eulogy, basically. Mine personally is listen, learn, apply. So I want to listen to others, listen to myself, and then learn from others and learn from my own experiences and then apply, which, and take action, which I think is 
uh, a big a big missing piece in a lot of people's lives is the action taking over and over and over and over and over and over again. So, and then the V, I mean, the MVP, yes, vision, your vision is like your goals that you have long-term, short-term knowing who you want to be in three years, five years, but also knowing who you want to be today. And then your principles are how you get there. So those are like your values and mine are grit, energy, and emboldened. And then you define those and then that's what you live by. Those are your standards. And those are the expectations that you set for yourself. So every decision you make can roll back to those. Was I a gritty person today? Was I bringing the energy that I wanted? And energy to me is useful and productive thoughts and actions. So was I being useful and productive with my thoughts and actions? And then embolden is just literally a definition of bolden, giving courage, hope, and confidence to others. And then when you do that, it's reciprocal. It comes right back on you. So, which is a whole nother discussion on self-talk, but uh, yeah. So leadership is literally the MVP process and coming up with your mission, your vision and your principles that you're going to live by to get those, get that vision and get the, you know, live out your mission on a daily basis. I love that. What are people going to say about you at your funeral? Uh, Tyler was a great listener. He was a lifelong learner and he took action and he applied what he found out from others and found out from his own life and used that with others in his life. And that's how he made an impact. So that's what I would like them to say. And then it com also it comes back to my values, like being gritty emboldening others and energy. Tyler always had great energy. He was always trying to gas other people up and give them the juice and then grit. Like Tyler didn't quit at anything. He's always been driven since the day he was born. Can I give you uh, can I give you what just came up for me right now as you were, as you were sharing that? Yeah, go for it, man. I think uh, something that I actually haven't done this, but this was coming up for me when thinking about the end in mind is when you think about a eulogy, people often tell a story of the person that they're speaking on behalf of. You know, there was an experience that demonstrated principles and values and what this person stood for. And I think a great, a great mechanism to further deepen that within your subconscious is what's that story going to be that demonstrates that. And I think that's really powerful because when we can use the intentionality of purpose behind how you want to show up with individuals where you now take what that encounter looks like and bring it to a eulogy that just even further narrows down uh, specifics beyond just, you know, the high level. Mm -hmm. and, so what I, I always compare it to like a, a tennis player, like I can go out, I'm not a good tennis player at all, but <laughs> I can make, I have made great shots in my life. But just because I make one great shot doesn't make me a great tennis player. Great tennis players make those great shots over and over and over again consistently. So it's the same thing like with grit. If I choose grit as one of my values, doing something gritty once doesn't make me a gritty person. But it's that continuing continuation of gritty actions that I take over and over and over again. So uh, 
like that's the thing too is like if we're you talked about habits a little bit like people need to choose who they want to be choose that identity and then start building evidence for the case of their identity that they want to um, embody 100 i love that so so i want to transition a little bit thank you for sharing that that that's honestly I, I love that technique. I'm actually going to reflect on that probably on my drive later, but I want to transition a little bit and start circling towards you as your, you as the entrepreneur running a business. Now we talked a little bit before we, we hopped on the, the call where my focus is I'm looking to expand and serve more entrepreneurs because ultimately that's, that's who I am at, within my personality. I I'm an entrepreneur. I've been, I've had the personality and values of an entrepreneur since I was a young child, just like you have. But some of these things that I don't understand yet uh, from the journey so I can serve these millennial entrepreneurs is what are the challenges, the big challenges, right? The biggest pain points that you have faced up until now as an entrepreneur. And to bring one more specific into it, not, not at the beginning of your journey, right? Because no entrepreneur, when they first start, is looking to hire a coach. No one has the bandwidth and flexibility to do that. So I would say probably within the last six months, like what are some of these challenges that you're facing now, present day as a millennial entrepreneur that probably some of our peers are experiencing as well within their own journey? The first one that comes to mind right off the bat is definitely that feeling of being overwhelmed and underprepared and that is definitely the worst feeling in the world when you get done with a day and you're like what the fuck happened today and like it just freaks you out you're like how am I gonna I you know I, I all these things fell through how am I gonna make money uh you know what do I have to do to like what's the next step is a big one that I think can be overwhelming and uh, there's just so many moving pieces to being an entrepreneur that like uh, some days like you're gonna have a bad day but it's like being able to understand that like just because you had a bad day doesn't mean it wasn't a productive day you know and having non-zero days are the way to are the way to get over that in my opinion like I, I've had maybe two of those days since I started, but that's like the first thing I think of, like, I don't ever want to feel that way again. So what do I have to do to not feel that way again? And most of the time it just comes back to taking action, man, like creating content, making calls, getting your name out there. That's what it comes back to over and over again, getting out there and not just like, doing it just because but doing it because like i really feel like that's how i'm going to make an impact and that's how i'm going to help people is by putting out content with the things that i've learned and then also like making calls and talking to coaches and just again getting my name out there so that i can teach this stuff that i love to teach and do yeah what what uh, else what are some other experiences that you face that are barriers or just challenges as a millennial entrepreneur? Um, man, you know, so many, I don't see, it's so hard to answer that because I don't see 
like there's no such thing as challenges i don't know like yeah like i don't see them as barriers necessarily like there's a solution to everything and like the more if you ask yourself the right questions as soon as you ask yourself a question first of all your brain seeks an answer so it's like asking yourself the right questions am i doing this right am i taking the am i making the right move here um just being more detailed about it and i think i personally the next step like is definitely hiring a business coach for me i don't have one right now my business coach is kind of like my three mentors that i have that are also entrepreneurs in the field so at some sense they are business coaches but that's not their like job title and that's not what, the, what they went to school for and i'm a big believer in in schooling and um also in the field work but uh yeah i would say that that's probably my next step is getting a business coach. I don't necessarily see it as a barrier that I don't have one right now, but I feel like that could speed up my learning curve and, and an entrepreneurial process a lot. So quick sidestep. My, I told you I have a coach. He's right here in Denver. That's why I hired him. Cause I wanted someone in person. Uh, yeah. he's actually, you, you said you mentioned you were, um, what, what was the type of running you do specifically? What'd you marathons? Yeah, he, he he's in he was he's a retired ultra marathon runner, uh, and was coaching that too. Transitioned into a high performance life coach, and the reason why I hired him too was to help me build a business. And uh, I think you guys would no matter what you guys would connect really well and have a good conversation in the least bit. But I think that'd be a great connection for you to spark off if you're interested. Post call, yeah, for sure. But what about? Oh, what were you about to say? I mean, for, for challenges and barriers, I was just thinking like a lot of people. So from what I hear from my friends, how do I get started? How do I do this? How do I, how do I make connections? How do I do all this? And I'm literally like looking at them. <laughs> I just like think in my head, are you stupid? I'm like, you, you create connections by connecting with people. Like the answer is in the word, you know, like, so that's one thing I feel like I'm really good at is I've, I've always been really good at networking. And so what did I do when I moved out to Denver? I looked up every coach, every college baseball and softball coach in Denver or the surround in Colorado. I was calling somebody out in Lamar, which is like two and a half hours away. And um, I just call them up and I say, Hey, I'm Tyler Pazic. I'm a mental skills coach, yada, yada, yada. And I mean, it's a numbers game from there, you know? So like, I don't really see, like I said, I don't see them as barriers. Okay. Are they challenges? Yeah, because the challenge is picking up the phone and hitting the call button. Literally, I'll sit there some days and I'll be like, oh, man, like, I'm, this is like so nerve wracking calling this division one coach, but fuck it. And I hit, like, that's probably the biggest word that an entrepreneur can use or the biggest phrase fuck it like <laughs> screw it just do it you know like just take the risk and get used to being uncomfortable and uh you'll be okay if yeah. you're not okay with, if you if you if you have two conflicting values of like hey i want to build a business but i also want to be comfortable you're not going to be successful and that's not even me saying because i've only been in this field for you know a few years but like that is my job also as a sport as a high performance sport coach 
or a mental skills coach is to look at the most elite and see what makes them successful and apply those, that knowledge with my, with my clients and athletes and myself. And that's one thing, like they all seek uncomfort and you'll hear it over and over again. Like, I don't need to, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse by saying that, you know? Yeah, no, I, uh, there's a time in my life where I actually avoided uncomfortable conversations, difficult conversations. And I think something that really forced me to grow was my relationship with my fiance. She's the highest level of accountability I've ever had to have uncomfortable conversations. And it's actually impacted how I show it with my friends, specifically picking my groomsmen. I, I shied away from really having upfront, transparent conversations with my groomsmen, my best friends, saying, hey, this is who I'm choosing, this is why. And on the back end, we were talking about it, and I realized from her, like, shit, I need to give these other guys a call that didn't, didn't make the party and you know, really just have that transparent conversation. But I agree, like, once you lean into and embrace the uncomfort, if you do it in an effective manner, you just know that it's not, it's not uncomfortable because it's bad. It's uncomfortable because I'm about to grow from it. It's uncomfortable because it's different. There is no good or bad. It's just different. Like, and that's another thing. Like you need to, it's a mindset, you know, and, and a, seeking, seeking perspective, changing wisdom is something that a lot of people don't want to do. And that's completely fine. Like if that is the life you want to live, if you want to work a nine to five and come home and play video games and be unhappy, like that is, and just wake up every day and be like, Oh, got to go to work again. You know? And then you wake up when you're 40, 50 years old and you're like, Holy shit. Like my life, where did it go? Like I have three kids who I barely know. I, you know, my wife and I don't even fuck anymore like what's going on like with my life and it's like dude you chose that and um it's funny because that's what I hear like I have clients that are in their 40s and 50s and it's not like I'm making that shit up (laughs) every every life every life is either purposely chosen or mediocrely lived out so Ty I really appreciate you hopping the call today I think you know, we haven't connected that much, but the few times we have, it's, it's like I'm tapping a knowledge source of freaking awesome wisdom. So I'm really, I'm actually, I'm really excited that you're living now in Denver, probably just, probably just a few blocks away from me. And, you know, I look forward to hearing what, what comes from you of your journey and, you know, even talk about why you moved here. But for everyone listening on this call, where can they connect with you if they want to get in touch? You can go to, you can just give me a call, 847-922-1371, call, text, or you can go to my website, pazikperformancegroup.com. That's P-A-Z as in zebra, I-K, performancegroup.com. Or hit me up on Instagram, message me, Pazik Pep Talk, P-A-Z-I-K, P-E-P-T-A-L-K. Awesome. Ty, thank you for really good on the call today. And for everyone listening, I want to hit you with a plot twist right now. This will actually be the last uh, Coach's Corner podcast for the foreseeable future as I am building out my life with Taylor, my fiance, and my coaching practice. I've realized in a line that as I have more priorities dropped on my plate that I want to prioritize what matters most, 
which is family, growth, and connection. So this will come back at a future point. I can't say when, but for those of you who've tuned in this point of the journey, thank you. And Tyler, thank you for hopping on the call with me, man. You've, I look forward to seeing you in person, man. Yeah, good luck with everything, man. It sounds like a, it sounds like you have some some growth and opportunity ahead with you and your fiance, and it sounds like it's gonna be fun. You look excited just looking at you. It's always <laughs> fun, man. All right. Well, thank you, Ty. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to the Coach's Corner today. If you like what was said on today's share, please leave a like or a comment on your podcast player of choice. The reason why I ask you this is as we climb the rankings for the amount of ratings that we get that are positive and the amount of comments and dialogue that we get are positive, we're able to reach a larger audience. And my goal with the Coach's Corner is to be able to raise the awareness of as many people as possible. I know that from raising your awareness, you're able to experience a life of fulfillment, happiness, joy, success, and really lean towards more gratefulness and gratitude in your life. Doing all these things has allowed me to anchor myself into a consistency of happiness, joy, and really success up to date in this point in my life. If you are interested in touching base with me and connecting with me to learn more about the Coach's Corner, to learn more about coaching, or if you're interested in having a dialogue and conversation with me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. My name is Jordan Ross. The picture would look similar to what my picture for the podcast looks. Uh, you could also send me an email at jordan at jordanrosscoaching.com. That's jordan at jordanrosscoaching.com. I look forward to connecting with you guys around your life and your path. And I also look forward to spending more time with you the next episode of The Coach's Corner. You have a great rest of your day and you enjoy kicking some ass. Thank you.